Thank you, Melody. Um, so it's cold in here. I think it's 62 degrees. All right. Uh, I'm ringing a little bit, so maybe you want to pull me back just a, a, a tad there. Now, here's the thing. If all of you took your jackets off, then the heat would fill the room, right? We'd all be warm, all right? I'm wearing my robe uh, because it's cold. Um, so I'm glad that you're here the, uh, this day, uh, and I trust that God will uh, bless you for your faithfulness. We are called uh, to be in worship on a regular basis, and that, that's why we gather every week. Uh, we continue to press forward in spite of the COVID uh, because we believe that public worship uh, is is uh, required of us uh, as as Christians. And so we're here uh, in spite of all of the obstacles, in spite of the inconvenience, in spite of uh, the discomfort. Uh, some of our people are not here today. Uh, John Haynes uh, has got COVID in his family, and so they're hunkered down at home and... Um, this COVID is going to roll through our congregation a little by little. And so some of you are here this week. Maybe you won't be here next week. Uh, but church will still happen, okay? And I want you to be online if you can't be here in person. Uh, and, you know, God's going to carry us. Uh, he's going to carry us through this thing. Uh, he has uh, thus far. Uh, and I know that he will be faithful uh, until the end. I'm going to ask you to actually open your Bibles because we're going to do this second reading uh, in unison. Because I think it's just so important. It's also really beautiful. And so I want you to have these words on your lips and in your ear. We're uh, looking at John 1. And I'm going to read, we are going to read the first 18 verses. John 1. That's on page 1053 there in your pew Bibles. I'm reading, or we will be reading from the ESV translation. If you have another translation, uh, read silently. Okay? <laughs> All right? Everybody ready? Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we ask uh, for your help uh, this morning. Uh, We are laboring under uh, difficult circumstances uh, in our lives, uh, in in our country, uh, here in this room. I pray that uh, you would lift our burdens uh, for this hour. I pray that you would turn our attention away from uh, the troubles of this past week. I pray that you would focus... Uh, our eyes on Jesus who is the light of the world. And I pray that having gazed on Jesus for this hour, we will walk out of this place burning with Christ-like brightness, uh, bringing light to others. I pray that you would be with uh, those of our number who are not able to gather in this sanctuary uh, this morning. I pray that those who are watching online, that the internet would not be an impediment to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Pray that your word would go out with truth and power uh, this morning, and I pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that is said here in this place this day. And I do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is the third uh, in a series of sermons that we uh, started uh, here at the beginning of the year uh, on the doctrine of creation and on how the doctrine of creation uh, changes everything. In the first sermon in this series, we took a look at what God was doing before he made the world. Okay, so time and history begins with the creation Right when when the world is called into being, time also starts at that time. But before the creation, God already was. He was there. What was He doing? Well, Scripture reveals a number of things about what God was doing before the creation. We know that before the creation, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were all co-present, and so there was a relationship. There was never a time. When God was not related to other persons, he was always in a relationship. And further, that relationship was a loving relationship. We took a look at uh, how the account uh, in the Bible about the nature of the one true God is extremely different from what we find in all of the other pagan religions. In all of the other pagan religions, the gods are always like tearing at each other and cutting each other's throat. And what we see in God's own revelation is that, you know, in fact, God is related in the Trinity and these persons in the Trinity love each other. It's a great time. They're having a great time in eternity past. Um, in John 1, which we, we just read it again this morning, but we took a, a closer look at it two weeks ago, we discover three layers of creation that happen in Jesus. Now, We need to understand that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, is the means by which God created. Okay, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the the way He did it, His agency, His method, His means, is through the speaking of the Word. 
Okay, and so this, it is Jesus who is the creator of the world. We have this affirmed in uh, John chapter 1. But the description of the creation in John chapter 1 is actually threefold. And I want you to, I, I, you need to see this. Number one, yeah, God creates the physical universe. You know, the stars, the nebula, the planets, all of that stuff that's out there. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. God, God through Jesus creates the physical universe. Or, as I like to call it, the chemical universe. It's the stuff that's made out of those 118 elements that you have on the periodic chart of, of, of elements. All right, Jesus creates that. He creates the physical universe, but he doesn't stop there. He also creates something which is very strange in the universe, surpassingly strange in the universe. Namely, some part of this universe is not just chemicals, but is also alive. Now, we have been looking for life in the universe. A lot of it here on earth. We've yet to hear of any anywhere else. Okay, life has been created by God. It's created by Jesus. And uh, in the description in John 1, we have the creation of the physical universe. But we also hear that Jesus creates life. And I need you to wrap your mind around the idea that life is more than simply the special arrangement of a bunch of chemicals. There are people who would like to imagine that life will appear if I, you know, we'll just arrange these chemicals in the right way and then magically life is going to appear. But this is not the description in, uh, uh, in the Bible. The description in the Bible is the creation of a chemical universe and then another creation, the creation of life inside of that chemical universe. And then there's a third creation. And this is the creation of human intellect and human free will, the human soul, the human spirit. All right, three kinds of creation that go on that we see uh, in in John chapter one. We reread that here this morning. Last week we took a look at uh, the distinction between the personal and the chemical. When we think about the stuff that is in the world, we can ask ourselves, well, what is it at bottom? Everything that you see with your eyes is at bottom chemical. It's one kind of chemical or another. It could be carbon, it could be oxygen, it could be iron, it could be gold, it could be silver. The reason that you're able to see it is because photons hit that little piece of something and bounce off it and come into your eye and then you know that it's there. There is a physical uh, universe but there is also a personal universe. God himself is not physical. He doesn't have a body. We don't see God. The reason that we don't see God is because he's not made out of carbon and oxygen and helium. He doesn't reflect light in that way. God, however, is a person. He's actually three persons. And so we realize that at bottom there are two different kinds of things. Something which is chemical and something which is personal. And the personal precedes the chemical. There were persons before there was a universe. Okay? There were persons before there were chemicals. 
And this is an important point because in the world that we live in, in our universe, there are both chemical things and there are personal things. We both have bodies and we have personality. We have bodies and we have intellect. And there are some people, materialists, I used the term scientism last week. Scientism is the claim that the natural sciences exhaust all of knowledge. You could also call it materialism. People who are materialists claim that human personality emerges out of the chemicals. You arrange the chemicals in a really special way and presto, you have a human. All right. This is not the biblical description. The biblical description is, is that God as a person existed before there was a chemical universe. And then God made a chemical universe, you know, stars and earth and stuff like this. And he breathed the breath of life and made a living soul in the human. Okay, he formed the body out of he formed the body out of the, out of the dirt. Okay, we're made out of dirt. It's a bunch of chemicals, mostly carbon, some oxygen, other things going on in there. It's important for us as Christians to recognize the persistent mythology of scientism, the persistent mythology of materialism, that everything is simply matter, and that what we call mind or will or soul or spirit just arises out of it magically, that it's just a a fancy configuration of it. This is not the biblical uh, description. Now, this sounds very philosophical, but it actually has very practical implications. I was thinking just this morning about the implications on how it is that we view abortion. From a materialist point of view, a human being is just a sack of cleverly arranged chemicals. And as you are being developed in your mother's womb, you know, you get more complex and more large. And then from the materialist point of view, at some point, I guess you become a human. And therefore you acquire human rights. But before that point, you don't. Okay? And so we can extinguish the life of a fetus with no more concern than stepping on a bug. That's the materialist point of view. From the biblical point of view, the soul of man is independent and is eternal. And the scripture tells us that Almighty God knows us when we're in the womb. Okay, who does he know, right? If we're not there yet. He knows us. He knits us together in the womb. And he's putting that soul and that body together into this marvelous package that we call a human being. There are consequences for having a materialist point of view. And I'm partly preaching this series of sermons because I'm concerned that Christian people have been hearing the drumbeat of materialism 24-7 for their whole lives, and they've actually secretly, unknowingly adopted this point of view, which is inconsistent, first of all, with the data, but also with the biblical witness. Okay? Now, I want to clarify this too. I believe in science. I have a scientific point of view. 
And I think Christians need to have a scientific point of view. I think Christians should be the best scientists that there are. Science arose in the Christian West because we believed in an orderly God and we believed that this universe was made by His orderly mind. And so in discovering the order in the universe, we have a little glimpse into who it is that God is and we celebrate Him in the sciences. I don't want anti-science or anti-intellectual Christians, all right? We need to be the smartest people in the room. My problem is not with science. My problem is with scientism, this mythological error that claims that the physical universe is all that there is, that the natural sciences embrace all truths. The natural sciences are powerful, they tell you many things, but the most important questions, the questions that we as humans really get down in the dirt about and start fighting over, are not questions at the, about the chemicals of the universe, but rather about the people of the universe. Our fundamental arguments, the ones that get us most heated, are about values rather than data. And I need you to understand that those values arise out of the personhood of something. The only thing that makes something valuable is its connection to a person. Alright? The reason that we as Christians defend babies that are waiting to be born is because we believe they're human persons and by virtue of their personhood they're valuable as opposed to simply being you know, a blob of chemicals that are under formation, right? Value is inherent in personhood. One of the other consequences of the materialist point of view, um, we see working out uh, both uh, in uh, the in psycho uh, psychological sciences and in in the economic uh, economic sciences, uh, in Marx and in Freud. Both Marx and Freud adopted kind of wholesale the doctrine that had been preached by Ludwig Feuerbach. Feuerbach died in 1872. Feuerbach uh, believed that all of our thoughts about God were simply a projection of the human mind onto the onto the cosmos. That there really isn't a God, but that you know when we're unsophisticated and when we're primitive. The thing, the thoughts that are going on on our mind, we think are actually outside of our mind. Here's what Feuerbach writes. The task of the modern age is the realization and the humanization of God, the transforming and the dissolving of theology into anthropology, or the study of God into the study of humans. Okay, so Feuerbach thought that the way that we understand these, you know, these theological things and these religious things is to understand the human nature better. All right. Now Marx picks up on this. Of course, Marx, uh, you know, uh, inverts this relationship between God and man, and, and God, uh, man creates God. Uh, as a way to relieve his own suffering. Freud also talks about this too. Uh, a very interesting book called The Future of an Illusion. It's one of his, his pivotal books. It's a description. The illusion, of course, is religion. Um, Freud argued that all religious beliefs are illusions 
that religious beliefs are the illusions, the fulfillment of the oldest, strongest, most urgent wishes of mankind. Okay, so God becomes, you know, the, the, the big man in the sky that we create because we want him. Alright? Uh, and, and so for, for Freud, uh, the, the goal of scientific thinking, of modern thinking, is to disillusion us, to take that illusion away. Freud writes that his hope is that in the future, science will go beyond religion and reason will replace faith in God. Okay, so the, 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 both Marx and Freud are examples of materialism or scientism, this uh, mythological belief that the natural sciences can account for all things. The sciences have an honored place. They account for many things. And we need to study them. And we need to advance them. But they don't account for all things. All right. Uh, and so th- th- that's one of the errors that I want to uh, make sure that we guard ourselves against. This week I want to talk about the transcendence of God and about the imminence of God. The transcendence of God and the imminence of God. By transcendence we mean that God is you know, above us and beyond us and that God is like so different from us that it's just a wonder that we can even wrap our mind around Him. All right? The transcendence of God is His complete otherness from who we are. God is not in the universe. Right? God doesn't have a habitation in the universe. He was before there was a universe. He is outside of the universe. He is other than the universe. And virtually, well, now, many, many, many things that we know, that we have clear knowledge of, are things that we have received through the senses. You look out and you see the world and you discover what it looks like and how it works. This is what the natural sciences work on. God is not in that field of vision. Some of you might remember the rather hilarious, you know, mid-20th century Marxist, the the, the Soviet Union. Uh, they, they sent a, a a man up into space and then came back and said, oh, you know, we, we looked around and we didn't see God. Okay, a very naive kind of view of what, what God is, as though you could like go to some different place in the universe and there he would be. Well, God is, God is not visible, uh, God is not visible in that way. He is, uh, he is transcendent. Uh, last week we read uh, a section of Acts chapter 17 and we heard these words. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Okay, not only does not does he not dwell in temples made with hands, he also doesn't dwell, you know, in this country or that country or, or on that mountain or in this ocean. All right, God, God is not contained in the world. This week, uh, Melody read for us this passage from Isaiah chapter fifty-five, where where God says this: "My thoughts are not your thoughts." My ways are not your ways. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts are than your thoughts. So 
you know, God is other than us. He looks different than us. He thinks different than us. So he is transcendent in that sense. Okay? He's beyond. Now, in some sense, you should say, well, you know, if God is transcendent, we can't know anything about him. He's so, I mean, I, I can't look for him. I can't, I, you know, I can't see him. But then at the same time, the Bible also describes God as being imminent. So transcendent, he's beyond, but the Bible also describes God as being imminent, that he's, he's present. So also in Acts chapter 17, you should seek God in the hope that you might feel their, your way toward him and find him. He is actually not far from each one of us. Okay, this is a little mysterious. On the one hand, God's ways are not our ways. On the one hand, God is not contained in any temples, any place. On the one hand, God is beyond and outside of this universe. He made this universe. But then on the other hand, He's also very close to us. This is the imminence. We've just come out of the Christmas season. And of course, Christmas is all about God taking up residence here in Jesus Christ. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son... And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, this is the imminence of God. So how do we hold together this transcendence of God? He's like totally beyond. He's totally different. He's totally not like us. And then also the witness of Scripture. But you know, actually, he's really close. He's right next to us. In fact, he became one of us. The connection between the transcendence of God and the imminence of God is what we call revelation. Okay, revelation. Right? There are different ways of receiving knowledge. We can receive knowledge through our senses. I can look at the world and figure out whether or not the sun is up or the sun is down. I can use my reason alone and do some calculations in mathematics. These are ways of knowing things about the world. But there's another way of knowing things, and it's called revelation. Revelation is God's choice to allow us to see something that by ourselves we couldn't see. Does that make sense? Okay, God is other. And if you're going to see God, God's going to have to figure out a way for you to be able to see Him. All right? It's not just that he's on another planet. He's not even in the universe. How different are his thoughts than ours? So different that we can't even wrap our mind around them. And yet, God and who he is is a personal God and he wants to have a relationship with us. And so, as a result of this, he reveals himself to us. He comes to us. You know, uh, recently we were reading that, that passage in, in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our, fa- our fathers through the prophets. And so God will reveal himself through the prophets. Now the prophets, of course, have to speak our language. The prophets have to speak about God in a way that we can understand. I mean... You know, we don't know God fully or we don't understand Him in the same way that He understands Himself. But God simplifies things for us 
and puts it into the mouth of the prophet. And we hear this. All right? So, many, many times, God reveals himself in this way. This is what we have here, right? This is our, this is our revelation of God. Okay, it's in scripture. Now the second revelation of God, of course, is in Jesus Christ himself. So, God becomes man. I don't know how you wrap your mind around that. How some, somebody who is beyond time and beyond space becomes part of time and space. How, how someone who's eternal becomes a mortal. How someone who is divine can die. Alright, this is very mysterious, but in Jesus we have another revelation, and the prophets in Jesus are contained here, and so this is our revelation of God Himself. I'm holding this up, because every once in a while I run into people who are looking for a revelation from God, but are not looking in here. Okay? A lot of people want to hear from God, but they don't want to read His Word. Right? Like, I I need a special sign. God, tell me what to do. Should I buy a Subaru or a Honda? Alright? There's a big revelation here. Everything that you need to know about how to run your life in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God is contained in here. And so we don't need to look for private revelations. I'm warning you about private revelation. Alright? So, in Scripture we have revelation. It's a way that God bridges this gap between the transcendent and the imminent. It's a a way that God becomes imminent. But here's the thing that you need to recognize about revelation. Not everyone gets it. Let he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus preached to a lot of people. The majority, it just bounced off of them. Okay? So even with the Bible as God's revelation, what else is required for us to receive this revelation? Well, the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit quickens our spirit. We call it regeneration. The Holy Spirit makes our spirit able to receive the revelation of God. Alright? So, it's a divine process where God is putting His knowledge into us. His knowledge of Himself. His knowledge of how the world got here. His knowledge of our purpose in life. A lot of things that are, that are, that are uh, delivered to us in revelation. It's the revelation that bridges the gap from the transcendent to the imminent. And some of us have received that revelation. Okay? And when you receive that revelation, well, a whole new world opens to you. I mean, one of my experiences in speaking to people who are materialists, to people who are just without faith, I feel like I'm speaking to someone who is tone deaf or who is colorblind. People who are colorblind, there there are certain things they just can't see. And you you can point to it all day. Oh, that's red. That's blue. They just can't see it. People who are tone deaf. Oh, this is an A. That's a C. Can't you see the difference? No, I can't hear the difference. All right? There are some people who their, their capacity to receive the revelation hasn't been given yet. And so they, you know, the stuff just bounces off of them. 
Alright? Now, our obligation as Christians is to continue to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel. Because, you know, someday the Holy Spirit might open that person's ears. And all of a sudden they'll go, oh, I get it now. Maybe that was your experience. Maybe you heard the gospel, you know, 745 times and it was a 746th time. You're like, oh, now I get it. All the pieces come together. It's a revelation. Okay? So God is not in this world, but He made this world. He's beyond this world. He's beyond anything that we can imagine. This revelation, this self-revelation of God should be precious to us. I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe decided to talk to some people who were on one of his bajillion planets because he wanted to have a relationship with them. Man, that should catch your attention. That's the premise of a great science fiction novel. Okay? Creator of the universe wants to penetrate the universe. Creator of the universe knows your name, wants to have a relationship with you, wants you to be praying to him, wants you to be talking to him. Bible tells us that the creator of the universe knew your name before he created the universe. Okay? Those of you who are Christians, the Bible says that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before planet earth was created. Alright? So then God starts talking to you. He wrote your name in a book. Now he's talking to you. Trying to get through. Okay? Some of us have harder skulls than others. You gotta talk and you gotta talk. Some of us come to faith when we're young. Some of us come to faith when we're old. But it's God who has to penetrate us to be able to see it. Alright? I, let me just make a couple of observations. I see we're running out of time here. Uh, from our readings this morning. John chapter 1. Verse 18, the last verse that we read this morning, John chapter 1, verse 18. This is actually a little confusing in your translation. I'm not sure it's the right translation, but let me explain it to you at least. No one has ever seen God. Okay, that's the first one. That one we get. Okay, why why haven't we seen God? Well, because he doesn't reflect photons, because he's not made out of chemicals, okay? God is not made out of carbon and oxygen. He's just not. He's something else. I don't know what he is. He's something else. So we haven't seen him. The next phrase, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Well, that phrase, the only God, of course, is a reference here to Jesus. You know, this, this is talking about Jesus being the revelation of God. So God the Father, no one has seen But Jesus, the Son of God, who is at the Father's side, has made the Father known. No one has seen the Father, but you've seen me, Jesus said. Okay, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We saw Jesus. Like, He's visible. You could hear His voice. You could see what He was doing. That was God's revelation. God breaking from the transcendent down to the imminent. He he himself came into our world, became imminent in our world because he wanted to create this relationship because he wanted to bridge the gap. But notice that both of those things are present in there. There is the transcendence of God. No one's seen God. And then there's the imminence of God. Oh yeah, but you know what? I sent my son. And if you've seen him, you've seen the father. Okay, now we you and I didn't get to see Jesus. But we have very, very reliable hand accounts of people who did see Jesus. Okay? We trust these. 
confirmed accounts, more than 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Okay, so so we we know something about about who Jesus is there. The other thing I want to uh, touch uh, with you here is back in Isaiah 55 passage, verse eight. My thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I can't tell you how many times I've met people who are disappointed with God because God doesn't agree with them. I can't believe in a God who... Really? My thoughts are not your thoughts. God doesn't agree with you. He's bigger than you. Every once in a while you might agree with him and that's a good thing, right? But he's thinking bigger things than you are. You should not be surprised when God thinks differently than you. No one who's read this and not been offended has really read this. There's some point at which the Bible is going to disagree with you. It certainly disagrees with everything coming out of Hollywood. Everything that's on Netflix. By the way, how many hours did you spend watching Netflix this week? Being indoctrinated by the doctrine of the world. How many hours did you spend reading the Word of God this week? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Okay, all right, so he's higher than us. Okay, that's, that's his transcendence. But notice where that passage begins. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. God is high above, but God is also near to those who are seeking Him. Alright? Some of you have found God. You found Him in the face of Jesus Christ. Some of you are hearing the voice of God. You haven't quite gotten your way there yet. But He's talking to you. And He's calling you in. He's saying, you know, hear my voice and 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 it's resonating in a way that makes sense it sounds like music to you it's making sense out of your life continue to seek him okay he will honor your seeking if you seek him he will find you there is no one who's looking for god who won't see god all right if you're looking you're going to find him all right i mean if you're not looking you're not going to find him But if you're looking, you're going to find him. Now, some of us, this is my situation, wasn't looking, but I was found. Okay, God found me. Okay, sometimes that'll happen to you. Sometimes He'll jerk you. But sometimes your heart is your heart is longing for God, and you feel drawn to Him, and you hear little hints and little echoes of God. Continue to pursue that. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He. while he is near. God is way beyond us. But he's also right here with us. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, we honor you and adore you. We thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us this day. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe. Uh, I pray that uh, we would know you and love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.